The veteran edge rusher I've been waiting for has been signed. We're breaking down the arrival of Leonard Floyd today on Locked on Bill. You are locked on Bills. Your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. I want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and of course, a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, I appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, I am very, very excited about the news that came through on Monday morning, courtesy of Ian Rappaport, that the Buffalo Bills are signing veteran edge rusher Leonard Floyd. And this is a player I've talked about. It feels like four or five different times this offseason as a player that I wanted the Bills to sign. And we've talked about this veteran group of pass rushers that were still out there and how I've been so hopeful that the Bills would just get one of them. Well, they went out and got the one I preferred in Leonard Floyd. And so let's talk about this player, his arrival to the team, the impact, all the domino effects. Got a lot to cover here today on the podcast, including our closing segment, which will be about the new ceremony, the new stadium ceremony that happened on Monday. I want to uh, share a few thoughts on that as well. But Leonard Floyd, that's obviously the lead story today. A veteran edge rusher, he's 30 years old, turns 31 in September, was a first-round pick, actually a top-10 pick, number nine overall in the 2016 NFL draft out of Georgia. The team that picked him was the Chicago Bears. Spent the first four seasons of his career as a starter for the Bears, 2016 through 2019. 54 games, 54 starts in Chicago, collected 26 tackles for loss and 18 and a half sacks. And then after the 2019 season, he signed with the Rams, and that's where his career really took off over the last three seasons. He started every game for the Rams from 2020 through 2022. And in each of those three seasons with the Rams, he collected at least nine sacks. At least nine sacks in each of the last three years. For perspective, and this information comes courtesy of Uber Hansen on Twitter, a a tweet that I came across on Monday that I want to share with you. This is what Uber Hansen said. He said, Leonard Floyd has nine plus sacks in each of the past three seasons since 2017. The Bills have just one player who had nine or more sacks in a season, and that was Jordan Phillips back in 2019. He had nine and a half. So this is a player who, over the last three seasons, has produced with consistency and at a volume that we really haven't seen with the Bills. Now, surely if Von Miller's healthy last year, he was going to top nine sacks. He was probably going to get well into double digits. I mean, he nearly did and missed a bunch of games. But this is a productive football player 
that can help the Bills at a position where they've needed production. 50 starts with the Rams, 29 sacks, 28 tackles for loss. He's been a durable player. He had an injury back in 2017 to his right knee where he suffered a sprained MCL and PCL. That forced him to miss the last six games of the season. But he has played and started every single game since 2018. And he's been a high-volume snap guy. Let's look at his snap percentages throughout his career in terms of percentage of defensive snaps he's been on the field for. 2016, 65%. 2017, 89%. 2018, 75%. 2019, 84%. 2020 with the Rams, 90%. 2021, 80%. And then last year with the Rams, 86%. So this guy's playing a large volume of snaps every single year. And so I'm excited for him to now be in Buffalo, where entering his age 31 season, the Bills aren't going to ask him to play 86 or 90% of the snaps or 90%, you know, whatever these high percentages he's been playing. Come in, play 60, 65% of the snaps and really be able to dial it up in a reduced role. And I, I mean that respectfully. I mean, he's just not going to play 90% of the snaps for the Bills, but he can still play a high volume of snaps and give this team a lot of value as a pass rusher. Now, we don't have the terms of the contract yet at this point. We know that it's a one-year deal, and I'm sure that this deal was made possible through the assumed cap savings that the Bills received after extending Ed Oliver over the weekend. And so we speculated on that in our conversation for the Monday podcast where I broke down the extension for Ed Oliver and figured it freed up somewhere between – three and six million dollars in cap space to go with the one and a half the bills had. And so before the Leonard Floyd signing, I was assuming the bills had somewhere between four and seven million dollars in cap space. And Leonard Floyd, given his production over the last three years, he probably didn't come for a minimum type deal. He probably got a few bucks from the bills. Again, made courtesy of the Ed Oliver extension but we don't have the terms of the contract. I would guess that it's a one-year deal with some void years tacked onto it so the Bills can kind of spread it out. But a significant addition to this Buffalo Bills defense. He's six foot six, 250 pounds. I probably should have said this already. So 6'6", 250, 33 and an eighth inch arms, 10 and an eighth inch hands. Very athletic, 4'6", 40-yard dash, 39.5-inch vertical jump, 10'7 broad jump. Uh, you can see through those numbers, he's very explosive. He's got good length, good size. His RAS score is a 9.81. That's an elite-tier RAS score. So the Bills got themselves a long and athletic, explosive edge rusher to add to this defense. All right, now coming up in just a moment here, I'm going to talk about his skill set, his impact on the roster, the impact on the scheme. You know, the impact on uh, some of the players that he's now competing with for snaps. So we're going to get into all of that here in just a moment. But first, need to tell you all about FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
What do I love about betting on FanDuel? Well, they have so much available, right? There's the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, football futures bets, but they have great promotions every day. It's a safe and secure, easy-to-use app. You can get paid instantly. There is simply no better place to get in on all the sports action than America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, we got a bunch more to talk about when it comes to this arrival of Leonard Floyd. And the next thing I want to discuss is his skill set. You know, we finished the last part of the first segment talking about the size and the athleticism. And when you watch him play, you can tell that he's a really explosive dude. He's functionally athletic, not just impressive with his combine testing. He's got a lot of burst, a lot of get off, a lot of twitch, right? A guy that can really stress an offensive lineman and their ability to set and stay square and keep up with him. So not only is he explosive and has a dynamic first step, it can really gain ground when rushing the passer up the arc off the edge. He complements that with a lot of bend and flexibility. He's loose through his hips. He has that ability to corner and turn and really bend around the edge of an offensive tackle because he's flexible. He can really turn and carry speed through a steep angle to get around an offensive tackle and win on the outside to beat that offensive lineman off their near hip relative to the pass rusher. So you get burst, you get explosiveness, bend, flexibility, really twitched up dude, a guy that can really work some hesitation steps and some jukes and some jab steps and dictate terms of a matchup and forcing and drawing an offensive tackle out of their set, which then softens angles and allows him to burst and bend around them. He's also a guy that has good length, over 33-inch arms. He plays with extension. And because he has good length and can play with extension and keep separation from offensive tackles, it enables him to really work his hand counters. So burst, bend, length. Extension, it's all there. He plays really hard. One thing I noticed when studying his tape today, there's a lot of good effort out there. His motor is always cranked. You see him winning with second effort and not giving up on plays and continuing to pursue, and you know, he finds himself in good positions to finish behind the line of scrimmage. As a run defender, he offers good value as a front side defender, lining him up over tight ends and using that length and that athleticism to work laterally and kind of string out runs and slash gaps and make plays. Now, he's not a guy that you're going to want to play as a true five technique over offensive tackles, ask him to squeeze gaps against offensive tackles. Like, that's not going to go well. But his ability to play with extension on the front side of formations, working against tight ends, I mean, he's really good at that. He's also a guy that can drop into coverage. He's experienced doing that every single season. Not that you're going to ask him to cover a lot, but it's nice to know that he has that in his arsenal of things he can offer. So you, overall, you just have a very versatile player. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's a top 10 pick that's been productive. I mean, this isn't some random guy that the Bills just added to the roster. This is a guy that brings a lot to the table in terms of size, athleticism, and versatility. 
He's a very stylistic. He's very stylistically a different player than a lot of the defensive ends that we've seen the Bills have. He's not like Greg Rousseau or AJ Epinesa or Boogie Basham or Shaq Lawson. Stylistically, he's a lot more similar to what the Bills have in Von Miller in terms of burst and bend and twitch and explosiveness and that type of stuff. It's a significant addition. This the impact here to this roster is is significant. And part of that is the immediate help that you get right off the bat for not having Von Miller, right? Who knows when Von Miller is going to play? I mean, he's going to hype up week one. He told us he guarantees it's not later than week six. I guess it's probably week six. And to me, taking that pressure off of Von, knowing that you have Leonard Floyd, who's an impact pass rusher, allows Von Miller to fully recover, and when Von comes back, he can be Von. There's no need to rush him back. I think that's a big deal. We've talked about Von Miller. When he does come back, for him to be back to being Von, right? Not 75% of Von or 80%, come back and be Von Miller. And the presence of Leonard Floyd on this roster now enables that to happen or at least take some of the pressure off. There's also, like I mentioned, stylistic similarities between Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. And because of that, you can preserve a lot of the principles of what you want to do defensively. Because when you didn't have Von Miller anymore, you didn't have a guy that can do the same things. And so you kind of change some of your alignments and how you attacked offenses, or at least how you rush the passer. It's nice to know that you have another guy with some of that skill. You have another guy that has that burst, right? And we talk about the Bills in, in years past, and it's been, well, hey, a lot of pressures. Those are cool. We like that. We like hurried throws. It affects quarterbacks, but we like sacks more. And we saw Von Miller and that ability to close and finish, and a lot of that due to the burst and bend that he has. It's nice to have another guy that that brings that skill set to the table. And it's not all slow burn, compression-style power rushing, right? Got a guy that can just run by somebody that has the flexibility to reduce their surface area and run a circle around an offensive tackle and dip that inside shoulder and bend at the hips and be able to carry speed through a turn and get to a quarterback. It's going to help the Bills get more sacks. So there's the pressure off right away to bring Vaughn back and making sure that when Vaughn comes back, he can be Vaughn. But how about when Vaughn does come back? Now you have Vaughn Miller and Leonard Floyd and all the other players that you have. You got two guys with burst and bend and speed and flexibility. I get excited about that. I get very excited about that. So I think the impact here is, really exciting immediately, but especially when you're gearing up for that stretch run and Von Miller's back and healthy and how much havoc you can wreak on, on a pocket, right? On an opposing pocket that they're trying to create to protect their quarterback. You've got a lot now that you can throw at it. So a significant addition here for the Buffalo Bills. Let's talk about the impact on the scheme. You know, I kind of alluded to this 
just a moment ago, but a lot of what you want to do as a defense is and should be built around a cornerstone player like Von Miller and his skill set. And not having that makes it difficult. With the arrival of Leonard Floyd, you can preserve those principles and then expand on them once Von returns. But also this signing of Leonard Floyd and this skill set that you're bringing onto your football team further suggests and leans into all of the defensive scheme changes that I've been talking about and have anticipated are happening, mainly simulated pressures. And I'm going to have Anthony Prohaska back on. We're going to talk about simulated pressures. But in a nutshell, a simulated pressure is when you rush four, but you drop one of your defensive linemen and you bring a player that's either like a linebacker or a DB, right? A non-traditional rush player. And you you stress the communication of an offensive line and you can usually attack the pocket with a little bit more speed. Leonard Floyd's skill set allows you to do that. You know, he's experienced, of course, rushing the passer, which is going to be his primary function. But he's also experienced dropping into coverage. He can get depth and get out there and be a flat defender or hook curl defender and allow you to get creative with how you deploy your four-man rushes. The other thing is odd fronts, right? Three down linemen. That, Leonard Flynn has a ton of experience as a rush linebacker, as a walked-up, on-the-line-of-scrimmage rush outside linebacker. And so if you want to lean into those odd fronts, you can do some really fun stuff. How about putting Ed Oliver as a four-eye or even head up as a four-tech tight end outside the offensive tackle when you walk up Leonard Floyd, you can do some very creative things with that combination. Oh, by the way, you can, once Vaughn comes back, you can do that with Vaughn Miller and Greg Rousseau on the other side. You can get really creative with your fronts and how you deploy these players because you have versatility with your skill sets. And again, Leonard Floyd, whether in Chicago or with the Rams, he's experienced in that type of defense. Next thing I want to bring up here is seems like GM Von Miller is uh, making an impact here, right? We've heard from Von Miller and Brandon Bean that Von wants to be a GM one day and that he's working with Brandon Bean on, you know, some of that stuff, right? The mechanics of doing that job. But you look at Von's first offseason with the team, right? First full offseason. You could see his influence. A lot of former teammates of Von Miller's here. Three now Rams players and Taylor Rapp on defense, Leonard Floyd, David Edwards on the offensive line, and then Shane Ray, who Von played with in Denver. And so Von Miller is definitely having an impact and having an influence, and his voice is heard when it comes to this roster. I am really excited about the makeup of this defensive end group now in ways that I wasn't beforehand. And it only took one player, and that's all it ever was going to take was one player. But if you look at this now and you assume Von Miller starts the year on the physically unable to perform list, you have nice competition for five spots. So for five spots, the likes of Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, Boogie Basham, Shane Ray, Cameron Klein, Kingsley Jonathan. 
That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. You have eight players competing for five spots. So three of the players I just said won't make the 53-man roster, assuming the Bills do keep five edge rushers to start the year, which I think they will. I think they can go five and five, five five edge rushers, five defensive tackles. And this group is becoming very formidable very quickly here. I mean, this D-line in general is something that I am feeling really good about. I went into the draft, and I went back and I listened to some of my podcasts leading up to the draft to just kind of remind myself about my tone and the way I was feeling. But I went into that draft quite vocal about my concerns regarding the defense. My primary concerns for the Bills were on defense. And through that, one thing that I kept on saying was that, hey, look, maybe the Bills can find help on defense, especially with the defensive line in the draft, but there's a lot of veteran talent still out there. And a line that I heard myself say a lot was, it's Brandon. It's not Brandon Bean's job to have the roster set at the end of April. There's still a lot to come. And we knew that the compensatory pick formula was important for them. They didn't want to just let Tremaine walk and not get anything for it, right? They're going to get a third-round pick back for him. And now that the window has expired where players that you sign don't impact that formula, we've seen the Bills go out and really make some nice additions to the defensive line. Since the draft, the Bills have signed – Leonard Floyd on the edge and Puna Ford at defensive tackle. If you would have told me I get to pick one of the remaining edge players and one of the remaining defensive tackles after the draft to add to the Bills, I would have picked Puna Ford and Leonard Floyd. So I find myself unbelievably happy and relieved that these two players now exist on this roster. I also came across another good tweet that I want to share real quick here that I think encapsulates this offseason for Brandon Bean. And this comes from AJ Cybulski on Twitter. AJ tweeted out, Bill's GM Brandon Bean started the offseason $18.13 million over the salary cap. With a mixture of extensions and restructures, Bean was able to free up some money. This is what he did. Guard, Connor McGovern. Guard, David Edwards. Wide receiver, Trent Sherfield. Wide receiver, Deontay Hardy. Defensive tackle, Puna Ford. Edge rusher, Leonard Floyd. Quarterback, Kyle Allen. Running back, Damian Harris. Safety, Taylor Rapp. Tackle, Brandon Shell. Running back, Latavius Murray. I know Bean has his share of critics right now because the Bills haven't won a Super Bowl. But my goodness turning negative $18 million into that plus your draft picks and the excitement that you're able to generate through the additions of Dalton Kincaid and Osiris Torrance in the draft, not to mention Doreen Williams and Justin Shorter. There's a lot that's been added to this football team, and this is a couple off seasons in a row where you kind of went into it, and that doesn't even get into bringing back like Jordan Poyer. These, those are just new players added to the, to the mix. He's able to bring back quite a few guys. But Brandon Bean has done a very good job of taking limited resources and finding ways to objectively make the roster better. Year after year of hearing that this is the best talent they're ever going to have around Josh Allen. 
just continues to not be true. And Brandon Bean gets a lot of credit for that, and so does Terry Pagula. And the reason Terry Pagula gets credit is because in order for you to manipulate the salary cap to the level that Brandon Bean has, you have to be willing to write big bonus checks, and Terry Pagula continues to say yes and, and spends, right? The Bills, from a spending perspective on the roster, at the top of the list. A lot invested here in players. And I continue to find myself impressed with what's able to be added to the roster despite not having this abundance of resources to get it done. And I gave Bean and Pagula his flowers. Josh Allen and Von Miller deserve their flowers too because the rival, those players, right, the impact of those players on this football team puts the Bills into a stratosphere, into a tier of the league that makes veteran players that are proven commodities in the league that puts them in position that they're going to take lesser deals late in the offseason to go there and play because it gives them a chance to win a championship. Teams or players view Buffalo like that. Like, folks, we've been waiting for this forever. We never thought it would happen, right? Bills had to overpay to get guys to come. Now they're getting Leonard Floyd in June and Puna Ford in May. It's good stuff. Makes me really happy. All right, folks, I got some more to talk about here. Coming after a quick break, want to mention some brief comments on the ceremony to announce the construction of the Bills' new stadium. I'll be right back. All right, let's get out of here today with um, some quick comments on the ceremony to announce the start of construction for the Bills' new stadium. And, you know, they got a chance to get everyone in the hard hats and the golden shovels and all that type of stuff. But I took some time on Monday and watched that. I just want to share some things that stood out to me. I guess, first of all, um, the stadium is going to be called Highmark Stadium. So, that mystery is over with in terms of what the name of it's going to be. Uh, Terry Pagula announced that there's a long-term partnership with Highmark for the naming rights of the stadium. And so sounds like we need to get used to the Bills stadium being known as Highmark Stadium. We know that it's going to open in 2026. We heard from a number of people, uh, Ron Rakuya, Governor Kathy Hochul, uh, other politicians and people involved in the process. But we also heard from uh, Roger Goodell, commissioner of the league, and we heard from Terry Pagula. And I could really appreciate Terry Pagula getting up there and getting emotional. And he shared the names of each of the victims from the top shooting uh, last May. Um, And he also mentioned his wife, Kim, who we all know is working back from her heart issues, right? Went into cardiac arrest, needed CPR, and um, sounds like she's battling still. But you know, he got emotional mentioning both Kim and the names of each of those victims, and um, that was a pretty moving moment in watching the ceremony. But I'll say this: I mean, and, and I've said it before about the Bills' new stadium. We can debate the details all day long, right? open air versus covered downtown versus orchard park 
what the surface is going to look like. All the details of a stadium, we can debate them all day long. And we all have our own preferences. And it's been cool to kind of listen to people and compare that to what you think and all that type of stuff. But the piece that I think is the most important and the piece that I can't stop thinking about is the simple fact that it's happening. I spent a lot of my time as a Bills fan worried about the team leaving Western New York. And so for me today, when I, you know, the, today as in the day I'm recording this podcast. So for me today, to see a ceremony with politicians and team leaders announce, you know, announcing the start of the construction, to see Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and Terry Pagula and the governor and Ron Rakulia with the hard hats on, with a shovel in their hand, as as ceremonious as that is, right? It's, we all know that that's really not anything to do with the actual building of the stadium, right? There's people that are actually going to, you know, grade the ground and build the the stadium. But to see that happen and know that the Buffalo Bills will remain in Western New York for at least another generation, that makes me beyond happy. To know that I'm going to be able to take my kids to games there and, Lord willing, grandkids there, that's special for me. And I I know if you're listening to this podcast, especially right now towards the end, that you are a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. And we love this team, right? And it's it's part of who we are, right? It is. It's a it's a it's a personality trait. Being a Bills fan is a personality trait. We all connect over this. It's a very unique region of the country. It's a very unique fan base. We all come from different backgrounds and beliefs, but so many people are bonded and connected through the Buffalo Bills. And for me to know. That in my lifetime, and probably in my kids' lifetime, and hopefully in my grandkids' lifetime, that it's not going anywhere. And that generation, at least another generation of Bills fans, get to enjoy the Buffalo Bills playing football games in Western New York. That's special to me. And so open air, covered, grass, turf, location, hotels, whatever you want to debate. It's all very minor to me in the simple fact that it is happening. And so I thought it was really special to watch that today. And I'm excited to go to games this year, of course, but also in 2026. That's going to be a special day. Can you? I mean, I've, I've thought about it a lot. Josh Allen leading that team on the field. Week one, I'm sure a prime time game. Hopefully the Bills win the Super Bowl in 2025 and they open the season at Highmark Stadium for the first ever game on Thursday night football. I mean, that's what I want to see. It's, it's The Bills games has, have looked the same to me for so long, right? Just home game. You know what those visuals are going to be. And... um knowing that this is going to happen. I don't know. I just, I get really happy about it. So I know I'm rambling, but I'm excited and I'm relieved. And I wanted to communicate that to you here as we close out today's episode. All right, folks, a lot of excitement. Leonard Floyd at Oliver's extended that cap savings turns into a, a pass rusher. The roster's looking good. 
I'm excited. Excited about this team. I don't have as many concerns about the defense. A little, not a little. I'm very concerned about what's going to happen at Mike Linebacker, but very little else on this team. I have a high level of concern or don't feel like it's Super Bowl caliber or, or isn't capable of being part of a Super Bowl recipe. So I like where this team's at. All right, tomorrow on the podcast, we should have a bunch of updates coming out of Buffalo Bills OTA, so we'll probably reflect on that the next time that you hear from me. Get to herd mentality later in the week. Got a ton of stuff I want to talk about here as we navigate through this offseason, so don't miss anything. Make sure that you are subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.